This week on KPBS's new podcast, Only Here, a story about a classical music composition commissioned by the San Diego Symphony that explores what immigration feels like for kids. It's, it's through the eyes of a child. It's through the eyes of someone displaced. To me, it did not speak, it was not intended or it did not speak to an outcry or a political statement. It's a human statement. Listen to Only Here wherever you get your podcasts. Only thing I can remember getting that small piece of land, 600 square feet, it was like getting gold for me because there's no way you can plant in an apartment. So when I got that little space, oh, I utilized it. Welcome to My First Day. I'm Andrew Bracken. It's Saimu Baiwa, alongside her four daughters, came to Los Angeles in 2002 from her home in Zimbabwe to join her husband for a new life in San Diego, California. Through the years, new friends become family and strange places become home. Still, we look for ways to stay connected to where we come from. Here's Itzai Mubaiwa, along with her daughter Thelma, with their story of... My first day. We arrived uh, in the afternoon, uh, around 2 during the day. We came straight to San Diego and stopped by, just by food along the way. So amazing because uh, when we're back home, we just hear that uh, America is a land of honey and all good stuff. So when I got there, just seeing people, different nationalities, and listening to how they speak, it was just a different world for me just coming in here. Seeing that big ocean was just another experience I've never had. I've never seen an ocean. I saw it on that day when we came in, you know, driving along the freeway coming here. Itzai's daughter Thelma was just nine years old when they arrived. I just remember getting off the plane and I remember seeing my dad. I remember like my mom running and my little sisters running and I remember that you know that first hug after having seen my dad in so long. My older sister and I had matching outfits, like the jean jacket outfit, not just like the pants, but like the pants and the shirt. And then in America we heard they wore bandanas, so she had a blue bandana and I think I had a red bandana. <laughs> they just let us be out here like this, you know. And we were so excited. We thought we were like, we're going to look like Americans. And that was our idea of what Americans looked like. I expected it to be like the music videos that we saw. You know, we saw a lot of music videos. And I mean, the music videos were really diverse. And you just think everyone's living very flashy lifestyles. And that's what I was expecting. I remember just seeing so many people. And I wasn't used to seeing so many white faces, because I thought everyone was white at the time. I didn't realize, you know, like Asian people or Mexican people. I just remember seeing so many white people. And I, I mean, I, I didn't think anything. I was nine years old, so I didn't really know what to think. I just knew these are the people that are, were taking care of my dad and were helping my dad since he was here. And the way I was raised was you embrace those people. So we embraced everyone. And growing up, I was just used to seeing people that look just like me. And then we're in a whole different country and not that many people look like us. And I remember we stopped somewhere on the way here 
and we stopped and we went to go eat because we were hungry. They put this foreign food in front of us. And I mean, I'm a kid, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just excited. So I'm eat whatever you put in front of me. And it tasted different, it was good. And I've never eaten Mexican food. So I was, first time they gave it to me, a burrito, just, it was just like, why are you giving me raw flour? It's not cooked. <laughs> the burrito was just something different I've never eaten. We got here, we're living on College Avenue, City Heights. First time when I got here, I threw out a paper route, and then I worked as a driver. I was doing, uh, I was uh, throwing papers in Mission Valley, going into downtown, that area, in Hillcrest. That's how I learned the city. I learned the city throwing the, doing the paper route, and then I drove the MTS bus, then I drove a school bus, so I've been uh, around just maneuvering San Diego by myself. I was going to drive my bus at work, throw a paper route early morning at 4 a.m. That was the, it's the seven days a week thing, nonstop. For her kids, adjusting to life in the United States was made even more challenging by starting school in the middle of the school year. We went to um, Cornerstone Christian Academy, which is an African-American private Christian school. And when we first got there, I was kind of excited because everyone looked just like us. So I was like, okay, we'll be able to fit in here. And I was in the fourth grade and my hair was different because we had a style that we wore back home. So my hair was different and I had on the uniform and I was kind of excited. And I remember walking into the class and I've always been excitable and I'm very enthusiastic. So when I get anywhere, I just figure out how can I fit in. But it was kind of terrifying because I don't know these people and None of them speak my language, and the teacher introduced me, and they said I was from Africa, and everyone made these looks, and it made me feel, like, the looks that they gave me made me feel uncomfortable, because when I thought of Africa, and I think of Zimbabwe, it's my home. That's somewhere that I've gotten all this culture and this love and the upbringing that I've gotten, and when I was introduced to these students, they made this face that made me realize that Maybe they don't like where I'm from so much. You know, I got made fun of because I was African. I got made fun of because my hair was different. And, you know, the terms that they hear, African booty scratcher, or go back to Africa, or, you know, people would ask questions, but they were very rude questions. Like, oh, do you eat lions and zebras? And do you run around naked? And they weren't asking me questions out of, pure curiosity about my culture, they were making fun of me when they would be asking me these questions. And so that was, that was really hard, I'll admit. I, I talk about that a lot sometimes with my friends, just how mean nine-year-olds can be <laughs> to other nine-year-olds. When you have an accent or you speak in a different language and kids that are nine, 10 years old, they don't understand that. So we wanted to get rid of everything. I wanted to get rid of my accent. I just wanted to speak English so people wouldn't make fun of me. Everything that happened at school and outside of the house is very different from everything that happened at home. But I couldn't go to my older sister 
because she was navigating her own new experience and she was in high school. So her experience was completely different from my fourth grade experience. And I couldn't go to my younger sisters because they were in like kindergarten and first grade. And I couldn't go to my parents because, well, you should just be grateful that you're here and you're alive and you have a roof over your head and all of these things. So it was just kind of like, here you are, figure it out. I mean, it was, a, it was a culture shock because everything that I grew up knowing was the complete opposite of what San Diego was, what America was. The way the kids date each other, seeing that for me was just like, wow, what did they bring the kids to? We, we don't see it back home where you can see, you know, boys and girls kissing and doing all sorts of things. My oldest was 18 then, but when they started going to school, mixing up with other students, now she comes, she's a different kid. So it was just a, a changing experience of everything. One thing I noticed when I came here, I saw a lot of people, huge people, you know, bulky, with the tummy hanging onto the knees. That shocked me because I've never seen such big people at home because mainly at home everything, everything is manual. It's walking, everything you just do, everything is manual. There's no washing with a machine, there's no cleaning with a vacuum. Everything had to do it manual. So the moment I saw those people here, it was just another experience of seeing how you know food can turn people into. I would say, was it an illness or was it food? I didn't know. Back home, growing up, that's what we every kid does. We grow up doing farming. The moment you close schools on a holiday, we, we go back to the rural areas where. There is all the fields and gardens where we'll be farming. So that's um, how we were raised. Every holiday, we don't stay home. We leave the city and go back to the rural area where there's big fields to plant. My grandma uh, used to stay out in the rural area, and my grandpa stayed with us in the city and would go to the schools and everything. When we close schools, maybe four weeks, six weeks, we go and help grandma in the fields at home. So when they are plowing, maybe I'll be in front of the cows and dropping seed and they will be coming and, you know, closing the seeds and so forth. We don't buy vegetables at all. We just eat from your own garden. We'll be right back. How long has it been since you saw something new in San Diego for the very first time? Well, Hornblower Cruises and Events wants to make that happen for you because you listen to the show. As a listener, Hornblower is offering a $5 discount when you use promo code MFD5D. You can have your own first day on the water, exploring beautiful San Diego. Departure info is at hornblower.com. Make your own first day. And again, just use promo code MFD5D when you buy tickets. Soon after arriving in San Diego, Itzai and her family were welcomed by another woman from Zimbabwe, and a strong bond formed quickly. The moment I get here, she came to visit me when she had that, you know, there's a family that came from Zimbabwe. 
and she came by and she was just a loving person. She came in and she just took me and my family and she was just, you know, just like part of my family. You couldn't separate us. My sister, it was just the bonding and she was just a mentor to my kids. It's just like, you just feel like family. That's how it is. Titi, Titi Muteta. Sitsi and Aitza were offered a plot of land in a community garden in the City Heights neighborhood of San Diego, where they began planting. And so started African Sisters Produce. Only thing I can remember getting that small piece of land, 600 square feet, it was like getting gold for me because there's no way you can plant in an apartment. So when I got that little space, oh, I utilized it. Uh, we planted kale. That was the first thing we planted here because we eat a lot of greens. Every meal we eat must have vegetables, so kale was the first thing we put down. And then we winded up getting another garden in National City from a friend who gave us their backyard to use out there. Winded up having a little bit of a small area to plant and at least be able to sell every week at the farmer's market. We didn't know she had cancer. She was okay just going to school. And then in 2007, they diagnosed her with third stage cancer. And we were already doing our gardening together. She was a graduate at San Diego State. She had all plans of things she wanted to do. She couldn't do anything. I remember one time she got sick. She went to uh, Scripps Hospital and she was saved by one of the nurses. She was, she went with a school for that career. I tell you, she cried uh, nonstop. Just seeing where others are and she was just bedridden. She couldn't do anything. It was just tough. It was just an aggressive breast cancer. There was no stopping. There was no any other way. She passed away in 2013. African Sisters Produce endured after Sitsi's passing through Itzai's love of farming along with help from Thelma and her other daughters. I have passion for farming. I love it. When I'm out there, it's just like therapy. I enjoy being in the garden. I'll go there and tell them I'll be back in two hours. I'll be lost in the garden all day. And then I'll come in nighttime. So it's just, I just love doing it. My earliest memory of gardening here in the United States, I want to say that I was in high school we were breaking down the land in her garden, her and my aunt. And I just remember when we walked through, you just feel like you're back in Zimbabwe again. The land, the smells, just being able to dig into the earth, because that's what we did when we were kids. I felt like I was back home. And every single time I go into the garden, I feel like 
I have a little part of Zimbabwe with me. Just there's something about that energy in the garden. And that's exactly how my mom feels and that's exactly how my aunt felt. You know, she had cancer and she'd be sick, but she'd be in the garden and she felt well. I feel closer to my country when I'm just in the garden because that's what we, we grew up doing, so it kind of put me back home. You can learn more about African Sisters Produce on their Instagram, at African Sisters Produce. Today, they sell their food at farmer's markets in the Little Italy and Hillcrest neighborhoods of San Diego. Thanks for listening. Our Instagram is at MyFirstDayStories. Email MyFirstDayStories at gmail.com. My First Day is produced by me, Andrew Bracken, with help from Melissa Diaz. Music by Chris Curtis, Jamie Stillway, and Jackie Hill Perry. Support for this program comes from the KPBS Explore Local Content Fund, supporting new ideas and programs for San Diego. For KPBS, Melanie Drogset is programming coordinator. Nate John is innovation specialist. Emily Jankowski is media production specialist. Jill Linder is programming manager. Lisa Jane Morissette is operations manager. And John Decker is director of programming. Thanks for listening. 